God wants to minister to all of you. He wants to speak into every part of you. God loves everything that you are. Everything that you are. He cares about even the hairs on your head. It's getting a bit easier for God to care for me in that department. But God cares about everything about you. He cares about your history. He cares about your family. He cares about you. This is what the Bible says of what you are like. Uh, the Bible says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, let me just get it here. It says, May the God himself, the God of peace, I wonder if you'd receive some peace tonight, just as you stand where you're standing for a moment, that you could say, God, you're the God of peace, and I want your peace to come on my life. Why don't you pray that prayer? God of peace, come and speak to me. But then he uses this word, sanctify you, and it means to wash you or to make you whole. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. Everything that you are as a person, as a human, God wants to minister to you. And then he says this. May your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be kept blameless. I'm going to show you a little film in a moment. Perhaps you'd like to take your seat for a moment. And we are, as humans, a mirror of how God is made up. Now, we are not gods, but God is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we are body, soul, and spirit. And God wants to minister to everything that you are. There's nothing about you that he doesn't care for. So tonight, if you're sick in your body, God cares about your body, and he wants to touch you and to bring relief and peace to you. If your mind is troubled, God wants to speak to your mind. But I wonder if you just watch the screen for a moment and just kind of get a picture. And in trying to depict God, everything is flawed because he's beyond everything we can think. So it's not a perfect representation but just kind of meditate on this for a while. Father and Son and the Spirit. Three persons, one God. In the Trinity exists the very nature of unity. They continually love and glorify one another. God is fulfilled and complete, lacking nothing, no beginning and no end.
then he decided to write a story. Together, the Trinity would create all things in heaven and on earth. He would create mankind in his own image. rebel and be separated from him forever and only one thing could redeem them a sacrifice the word of God would sacrifice himself in the place of his children he would shed his own blood for their redemption. The agony the three would endure for the sake of those who rejected him. So he said, let it be so. People often say to me, how can God be three and yet one and one and three? And I just say to them, well, I'm a father, I'm a man, and I'm also a husband. I can be three things and yet one person. You've got a pen in your pocket, some of you, and it will have a nib, it will have a cartridge, and it will have a case. Of course, one thing can be three things at the same time. It's uh, really easy that you can have water, ice, and steam, and uh, that can uh, be all the same things. It's just in different ways in which it, it expresses itself. So tonight, maybe we could start thinking about you as a human. Uh, that you have a body that's really important and that you have a spirit which is the lamp of God where God communicates to you. You have a soul that kind of operates around your will. And you can be three things and yet one thing as an integrated thing together as something that works in harmony together. And tonight, I want to say to you that your body matters. That actually, your physical self matters. Jesus was asked by a lawyer, a really clever person one time, what's the greatest commandment? And this is what Jesus said to this lawyer. He said, the most important commandment, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Let's love our neighbors as ourselves. When, when God says there is one, it means a compound unity. It means that it's one made up of different things. Like you have one football team, but you have 11 players in one team. You see, when other faiths criticize us and say, oh, you talk about three gods. We're not. We're talking about one God. One God but he expresses himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we talk about you tonight, you're not just one thing. You're not just a block of flesh. You've got a mind and feelings and emotions and things that make up you. 
There's more to you than meets the eye. Isn't that true? Right now, you've got things on your mind that nobody else knows about. And what Jesus said is, I want you to love me with everything that's you. And in our world today, the media is trying to tell us that we're nothing more than animals, that we're driven by instincts. But God wants to say you're much more than that. You have a spirit within you that seeks to connect with him. It's clear that Jesus thought that the way that we love God, and one of the ways that we love God, was with our strength, our physicality. And that in order to love God, uh, we need to be able to celebrate that which we are physically. As Christians, what we've tended to do, we've tended to make our faith all about the inside of us. And indeed, the inside is really important. We tend to make our faith journey some internal processing and, and making our mind right and everything working from the inside to the out. And all of that's true. But a human and truly a child of God means that we are physical people too. And that in the physical, we need to know and to learn to serve God. That actually, through our physical sensations is often how we know that God is around. It's no wonder that the psalmist cried out and said it this way in Psalm 139, Verse 14, he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hey, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking at a masterpiece. <laughs> I praise you because you're fearfully. Some of you are going, you're looking at a masterpiece, but you've got to have the eyes of faith to do it. Don't do that. Don't run yourself down. This is what the Bible says about you. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. You know that God loves the fetus. God loves the fetus. And we should be very careful how we approach the unborn child. You saw my eyes with my unformed body, and all the days were ordained for me and written in your book before they ever came to be. And that's another message of how God plans your life. But there is no question that the Bible celebrates our bodies, and yet we as Christians tend to shy away from ever talking about them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God, the psalmist says. You know, your body's an amazing thing. Do you know, and I'm not a doctor, and I've kind of tried to research some things, and so if there's a doctor in the house and I say something that you don't think is accurate, Please tell me afterwards, won't you? But your body contains a trillion bacteria. We have trillions of bacteria living in our bodies right now. And some of you are going to say, really? So that we can regulate against disease and inflammation and all sorts of disease. You know, your eye is the fastest muscle in your body. It's capable of contracting in less than a hundredth of a second. A blink typically can last 
between 100 and 150 milliseconds, not that I've even counted. Do you know that when you blink, you blink more when you're talking and less when you're reading, and that's why your eyes get tired when you're reading. The eye's the fastest muscle in your body, which is why when we say something can happen quickly, we usually say it's in the blink of an eye. Do you know that you've got 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body? That actually, if you laid them all out, you'd go 100,000 miles. 2% of the population have got green eyes. I wonder if there's somebody who's part of that 2% right now. Please don't stare into anybody else's eyes right now. Most of the people with green eyes live in Ireland and in Scotland. Here's an important thing. You got green eyes? <laughs> We've got one of the 2% in the room. How about that? Please don't go up to her afterwards and keep staring in her eyes. Here's an important thing. All humans are 99 plus percent the same in their makeup. I know the media wants to tell you that you're so precious and individual and special, and you are. But the visual differences and any internal variations are due to a very tiny genetic code in your makeup. And we have to begin to understand, because it'll be important later, that what the media is telling us is that some people are so different and everything isn't actually scientifically true. That actually 99% of us, we're just the same, apart from the, some of the, the way that we look. You know your skin is such a large organ, it's just amazing. Your skin is about 15% of the weight of your body, and it's really important. It's massively underappreciated. It keeps everything on the inside, which we're all pleased about. But it also helps to keep us in the right temperature. It helps us with our touch and our sensations. It helps us sometimes to feel when God's in the house because our nerves get reacted. It allows you to move without restriction. It's not too tight and it's not too loose, I hope. It heals and regenerates constantly much more. Do you know that the entire skin, the surface of your skin is replaced every month? which put another way means that you have a thousand different skins throughout your lifetime. <laughs> You're an amazing, amazing creation, don't you know? There's some people in this room that you probably, you don't, you kind of despise your body, but I want you to begin to think, wow, this old thing, it's not too bad, actually. Every minute you shed 30,000 dead skin cells, so please take them with you when you go. You know, when we breathe, we tend to breathe through one nostril. We naturally tend to alternate between nostrils. We don't realize we're doing it so that we don't irritate our lungs. But you know what? Nobody knows why we yawn. <laughs> you know, the reason why babies look so cute is because after three months, their eyes are the same size as what they're probably going to be for the most of the rest of their life. By three months, our eyes are the same size and they don't, ever, uh, they don't ever really grow bigger than that. They are in their full width, and there's a few adjustments later on. The only trouble is the eyes stay the same size, but people tell us that our ears keep growing <laughs> all the way through our lives. 
Sorry, guys. Did you know that you're taller in the morning than what you are at the end of the day? Gravity and our cartilages compress slightly. Every second, you're producing nearly 25 million new cells. And uh, there's reproduced according to our DNA template. The only muscle in our body that never gets tired is our heart. How's your heart tonight? I'm talking about the physical one, but also I'm talking about the spiritual one. Because you can have a physically not tired heart, but you can have a spiritually tired heart. You see, there's no question that the Bible does not back away from talking about our bodies. Did you know that Esther was called beautiful? Rebecca was called beautiful. Uh, Abigail was called beautiful. David was called handsome, and so was Saul. They were all said to be beautiful and handsome. There's no sense in which the Bible does not recognize that our bodies are something special, and they're integral to our health spiritually. How many of you have heard this scripture before? The Bible says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view that Jesus was hung on the cross physically, and he died physically for us, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. You see, you know you can be in a place physically, but your mind is somewhere else. And so, if your mind is somewhere else, come back in the room right now. But begin to offer yourself presently and physically to God. And say, God, I'm here. All of me is here. You know when somebody says, I'm with you in spirit, you know what that means? Nothing at all. We need to get our minds right about our body. When you offer your body, you can give an acceleration to either something that's really healthy, and you say, I'm all in with this, or something and of a process that's unhealthy in your life. Paul, writing to the Italians or the Romans in the Bible, said this, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin. Now what sin is, is going the other way to what God says it is, or what God said is right. But rather, offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness. You see, what you give your body to sets a direction in your life. Now, what we do is we have thoughts and feelings, and we all work together as humans as body, soul, and spirit. And so our thoughts and feelings often prompt sensations in our body. And if our body follows those, then that can set a direction in our lives. We have cravings in our body based on beliefs in our minds. And so what we need to do is begin to challenge the beliefs in our minds, but not obey some of the cravings in our body. You know that God sees your body as an instrument of worship. That actually, when we're playing worship songs and so on, and, and the guys are playing the keyboard and the guitar and so on, those are instruments. But actually, God sees your body as an instrument to him as worship. So how you use it, how you respond with it, is pleasing to him. This is what the Bible says. Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? That you have 
whom you have received from God, that you are not your own. And so when we come to church and uh, we're, we're kind of uh, worshiping and talking to God, actually we're worshiping with all that we are and our physicality is pleasing to him. Our body is important, but you're going to need more than your strength and your beauty to live a holistic life. In fact, doesn't Peter say to us that our beauty should be from the inside? That actually, we're not the outward adornment with elaborate hairstyles or wearing of jewelry and gold and all the rest of it, but the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Have you not known that somebody can look more beautiful when their inside is at peace with God? The psalmist said this, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. You're going to need more than your physicality to live a holistic life. But if you want to live a holistic life, you are going to have to dedicate your body to the right thing. And there'll be some people in this room and some people watching online and you know the pain of when you've given your body to the wrong things. That you've obeyed some of the urges and some of the addictions and some of the things that have plagued your mind so that you've given your body to those things and your body has given power to those things because what we give our body to sets a direction in our lives. But here's the deal. Our bodies are more fixed than we realize. Remember I said that 99% of our bodies are the same? They are less fluid than we realize, than actually what the media is telling us. The Bible said that God created male and female. That's what he said. Scientifically, the estimate is that naught point naught nor, nor 5% to nor point nor 14% are ever, that's the only percentage of people who make up at birth any gender dysphoria. So when you hear the media saying that you can choose your gender or you can kind of get, you know, start off as one thing and then move to the rest, that's actually a very, very minute percentage of the population actually scientifically. In fact, according to Black's Medical Dictionary, gender dysphoria only occurs in one in every 30,000 males, and it's mild, and one in every 100 thousand females, and it's mild. And so it's really important that we begin to begin to accept who we are. Of course, as we're growing as boys, we're learning to be men, and there's confusion about in our minds about how to be a proper man. That doesn't mean to say your gender's fluid. That means to say you haven't learned all what it means to be a man yet. As a girl is growing up, she's learning how to be a woman. And as because she's learning how to be a woman, because she might be confused on some things, it doesn't mean to say that her gender is different. It means she's just learning on how to be a woman. Can anybody accept my logic? 
But there's a scale of manhood and there's a scale of female expression. We have to stop assigning artistic things and creative things to females and physical things to males. Because actually what we're doing is we're assigning stereotypes and not reality. It's okay if some men want to do more creative things. That does not mean that their sexuality is compromised in any way. And we have to stop assigning particular uh, artistic things to a particular sexuality or even a homophobic sexuality. We've got to stop doing that. We've got to say, you know what? We're all growing and living and we're all moving, but God created us male and female. And we have to be really compassionate to that very small number, and it is a small number, of people who medically struggle and who are uh, a little bit confused or that because of their environment that they've grown up in and because of their role models that they have had, that they are a little bit confused on those things. And we have to be compassionate and loving, but let's understand, let's talk from compassion and love as well as talk from science. You see... When we think about our bodies, we have to celebrate and steward them. We celebrate them on one hand and we steward them on the other hand. Hey, by the way, are you guys with me on this talk? Are you kind of with me? Is this helping anybody? Wave at me if you think, oh, this is okay. Because I don't want to leave anybody behind tonight. Because I believe that God loves every part of you and actually wants to heal some of your image about yourself. One of the best things that you can do about your body is celebrate it. Is anybody, you know, I am so sorry to keep taking you back to the 1970s. I did it all this morning, and I'm so sorry. I think I'm going to do it again, or it might be the 1980s. Does anybody remember the TV show Happy Days? You know, with the Fonz. Do you remember him? When he used to go to the mirror and go to comb his hair, a little bit like Pastor Ron does, you know. He goes to his hair, goes to, his mirror, goes to the mirror, and he'd look in his mirror and go, hey, I don't need to do anything. I want you to celebrate who you are tonight. I want you to look in the mirror and go, okay, Lord. But we also need not only to celebrate who we are, we need to steward who we are. You see, we all have desires, and it's part of being human. And we can feel these physically. Sensations come to us, and they're there, and they tell us about something that we're believing. You see, we used to preach in the church, don't ever listen to your feelings. But I actually want to say to you, listen to your feelings, because they are telling you something about what you're really believing. If you feel really lonely right now, maybe you've got a belief that you cannot be loved and you keep pushing people away. If you're over-affectionate, maybe you've got a belief that the only way you can be valuable is by the value that somebody else gives to you. You need to begin to heal that belief and it will change the behavior. You see, we have to steward our bodies because... When we uh, move our bodies in any direction, it begins to set a direction in our lives. Our strength and our physical interest will form a direction that pushes our lives in certain directions. So it's important 
that we assess our actions. It's important that we don't focus on sensations that would be contrary to where God would have us to be. It's important that we don't give strength and feed desires that take our bodies in the wrong ways. That actually we set the direction of our lives so that it honors us and honors God with our bodies. The Bible's really clear about it. It says this. Flee all sexual immorality. It says this in 1 Corinthians 6. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And there'll be some of you tonight and said, I knew he'd bring up the sex thing. But God loves you so much that he wants you to celebrate intimacy with the person he's chosen for you. And he wants you to steward your direction in your life so much that his purposes could come about as you go in the right direction. You see, your body is a temple where you meet God. And thus it's really important you look after yourself. It's really important that you celebrate who you are. Your body isn't a second-class thing, but it's a treasured part of your humanity. It's an amazing part where God says, wow, I love it when you worship me with your body. Yeah, with all your flaws, you're designed in such a way so that you can shine the love of Jesus and the love of God to other people. You know, a smile that you have can change somebody else's day. That physical belief that you should communicate warmth and life and love the words that you speak and the way that you use your tongue is really important, the way that you build up other people. So with all your flaws, the way that you live out your purpose in your body is really important. In the New Testament, there were uh, Paula Goodyear, who's the uh, theologian in residence at St. Paul's, tells us that there are kind of two types of jars in the, old, in the New Testament. And, and one jar was really thick and no light would come out in any way. It was just used for storing things. But actually there was another type of jar that they used that had cracks in it and that was very thin and was kind of thin space and that actually if you put light in it, it light would shine out of it. And this is the jar that Paul meant when the Apostle Paul said this. But we have treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not me. You see, your flaws and the things that you think aren't good, God can shine through those weaknesses and show everybody how great he is. The things that you think aren't good about you, God can take that weakness and display his strength and his wisdom and his glory. 
Paul actually said, hey, we even carry around the marks of Jesus in our body, but that so that Jesus may be revealed through us. I know that some of you don't think that you are a kind of supermodel or a, or a great guy or a, all of that. None of that's important. Put that aside and start thinking, you know what, God? With this temple, no matter what shape it is, I'm going to let your glory come through. I'm going to let your, your light come through. And with some of the things I can't do, I'm going to ask you to help me, God. I'm going to get other people to ask to help me. Because it's through my weakness that we get to show God's glory. So I wonder today if you could begin to say, this temple, my body, is for your worship and for your glory. And, and when I feel sensations, I'm going to analyze those sensations and say, what are they telling me about my beliefs? What are they telling me? And when, I, when I have a set of thoughts and that, that makes my shoulders hunch over and, and put my face down to the ground, I'm going to analyze those beliefs and say, no, my body is not meant to be hunched over and defeated. But actually, I was created as your child. Would you please stand with me? I'm going to ask the worship team just to come. And the reason that we sing in our church is so that we physically do something together that honors him. And tonight... I know that when I was growing up, I had something called dyspraxia. It actually meant that I was so clumsy. I couldn't judge distances with my eyesight and my, my arms and my legs. Many teenagers have it. Mine was quite severe. Uh, talk about a bull in a china shop. I could knock a cup over and spill the coffee everywhere most days. But I was really pleased that I had a mother that kind of understood that. And kind of just said, hey, that's just the way he is. And eventually, I learned to manage it. When I was a young, young boy, um, uh, today it's called ADHD. Can you believe that I had that? And the doctors wanted me to put me on a drug called Ritalin. And many of you would have experienced that. But my mother was the sort of woman that said, you know what, I'm not going to get him drugged up. I'm going to, he's, he's annoying. He's all over the place. He can't sit still. He knocks things over. But I like him just the way he is. And I just really appreciate that my mother, even though I was an absolute pain as a child, you can't believe that, can you? Hey, I wanted a little bit more affirmation than that, actually. I was expecting you to go, oh, no, Pastor Mark. I was an absolute pain as a child. But isn't it good that somebody had the love enough to say, that's who you are? How about you? Can you speak that over yourself? Can you begin to say, well, I'm not sure I really like how I've turned out fully but I know God loves me and I know God uses me and I know that God can do great things through me. Yeah, come on, give the Lord a clap after.
Because in the next few weeks, our goal in these Sunday evenings is to get you to accept that you're a human. We're going to try and blast away some of the negative things that the media say. But our goal is this. God can use you with all that you may think you are or you're not. God can use you and he can heal you. Tonight, if you have any physical pain at all, we're going to make sure that we pray for everybody who wants it. But if tonight you're kind of a little bit confused about who you are, we'd love to spend some time just ministering with you as well. God loves you tonight. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them that God loves them. Hey, say it like you really just want to bless them. No matter how tall you are, no matter how short you are, God loves you tonight, and God can use you. Isn't it great that somebody thinks you're beautiful? And some of you don't believe that there's anybody in the world that thinks you're beautiful. Well, I want to tell you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, whose opinion matters over everybody else, thinks you're beautiful. So turn to your neighbor and begin to say, hey, you know that the King of kings thinks I'm a masterpiece? Why don't you just tell them that? See, for some of you, that's going to be hard. Now, here's the bit. Come on, raise your hand with me. Say this quietly. Lord, I am sorry for the way that I've used my body at times. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Because I give you this temple. I give you this temple. I give you this temple. And from this moment, I ask you that this will be the holy temple in Jesus' name. You see, some people say, why do churches always seem to have a downer on sex and stuff like that? It's because of this. When you share your body with someone, you don't just share your body. You share your spirit, your soul, the whole of you. And that forms a bond And God is interested in the direction that you're taking because he's got massive purposes for you. So receive his love and forgiveness tonight and let's all make a new start. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering. He's so great.